Friends and fellow seekers, it is with glad heart that I welcome you back to our sacred sanctuary this year for tonight's in-person and live stream celebration of the winter solstice. I'm Randy Jefferson, a member of First UU of Wausau, its Religious Services Committee, and like many of you, an earth worshiper. This is a special night, unique in our spiritual journeys. In a world that seems to place all too much value on frenetic pace and instant gratification and is overburdened with worry and anxiety, we yearn, we yearn to be reminded that there is another way. Tonight, we have an opportunity to slow the pace, to refocus our attention by musing on ancestral wonderings and reconnecting with the natural world and its patient cycles that renew and sustain us. Again this year, Many of us are strained and spent. We need respite from our guarded existence. And I encourage you to open your senses tonight. Feel. If the outer world tries to press in on you, take a deep breath. Center yourself in this holy space that we create together and we share with one another. May you find meaning and inspiration through your presence in this celebration of the sacred circle of life. Now, there will not be an offering tonight, but as you've heard on many Sundays, those of you who have been here on Sundays, if you wish to make a donation, there will be a basket placed at the rear of the sanctuary for your generous gift. Now, in thinking about refreshments this year, I realized that no food expresses the pleasure of darkness better than dark chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> so I baked a batch for those that would like to partake after the letting go following the service. One brief personal announcement, not everything in this service tonight has been tech checked. Margaret did a great job of making sure that the drumming group was all set, but it was something I did after they all left last night that has not been tested yet. So if we have a little glitch on anything new, just roll with it. We'll be okay. I light this chalice with these opening words from Annie Forrester who is Minister Emerita, I love this, at the Evergreen UU Fellowship of Marysville, Washington. And Annie Forrester says, Come we now out of the darkness of our unknowing and the dusk of our dreaming. Come we now from far places. Come we now into the twilight of our awakening and the reflection of our gathering. Come we now all together. We bring unilluminated our dark caves of doubting. We seek unbedazzled the clear light of understanding. May the sparks of our joining kindle our resolve, brighten our spirits, reflect our love, and unshadow our days. Come we now, enter the dawning. For a call to worship, once more, the words, once more, by Annie Bowden Friedman. Once more, the earth has turned towards the light of the sun. 
We are bathed in the light of a new day. So may we greet the dawning of fresh possibility. Once more, we awaken from our slumber as our bodies rise to meet the challenges and pleasures of living. So may our hearts and minds be open to the promise. Once more, we gather for worship as we join our voices in word and song so may this assembly bring forth wholeness. Come, let us worship. For a gathering hymn, a hymn that many of you are familiar with, some might not be, but many of you are, and we're going to do this as a round, I'm sort of looking at the church. We're a little bit short on this side, but we got some good voices over here, I know, so I think we're going we're gonna to be okay. It's number 389, Gathered Here, and Margaret will play it through once. We'll sing it through once together, and then we'll sing as a round, and I'm going to ask that the right side of the sanctuary begin and then the left side follow and I will give you a clue as to when you're to start singing the round portion. We'll sing the round through twice. So once Margaret will play through, we'll sing together one time and then we'll start the round with the right side followed by the left two times through. seated. I invite you to join in the spirit of meditation and to prepare, find a comfortable position. If it's become your habit, use Brian's both feet grounded pose. It might help you to close your eyes and try to visualize a candle or, if you prefer, direct your gaze at the chalice flame. This meditation was written by Samuel Trombor. In this time of long nights and short days, let us seek the light within by contemplating through our mind's eye the image of a candle flame. Notice how the soft, quiet, and gentle flame tamely rises from the wick. Yet, just by touching a dry twig, it has the power to become a raging bonfire to light up the night. Let that little candle flame be your friend this evening. Allow it to quiet your mind as you attentively watch it flickering 
and grow. Allow it to calm your mind in a way that brings a stillness that can light up the interior of your being, that can help you find the wellspring of your feelings. Allow it to show us our inner sense of knowing that can help us notice the ways we've strayed or harmed others to warm us, reflecting on the ways we've been touched and the ways we've opened our hearts and inspire us through making new connections and discovering new insights. May this simple flame touch the dry twigs that guard our hearts, allowing the power of light to penetrate our self-protection and show us the amazing potential for heat and light that reside within us. May it be so. Now, once again this year, as last year, when I went searching for the book that I had read the previous year, 2019, it was not to be found. We searched and searched the library and couldn't locate it. Jess has promised me she'll buy a copy for next year. But tonight, I found another story on the UUA website that I thought well fit this service. So for a message for all ages, and hopefully there are some younger people that might be streaming in or watching us at a later time, I share these words from Sherry Pullebaum, who wrote, Who Loves the Dark? There once was a child who got lost in the woods. As night began to descend, the child became more and more frightened. I'm sure many of us would be frightened too in that situation. But what made this child even more frightened was that he had always been afraid of the dark. He was more afraid of the dark than any of his friends or his siblings. He didn't know why he was more afraid than his friends or his siblings. He only knew that when the sun went down, he was always very glad to be inside his brightly lit house. When the sun was all the way down and the only light was just a tiny bit of light from the moon and the stars, the child got so frightened all he could do was sit down and cry, which he did. Soon, he heard a voice say, What's that racket? He looked down and saw a mole squinting up at him. I'm lost in the woods, he said, and it's dark and I'm afraid. Well, said the mole, perhaps he could take your noisy crying further down the path. I hate to come out of my warm, comfortable, dark hole to tell people to be quiet. Then the child heard another voice. Go back to your hole, Mr. Mole. I'll take care of this. The child looked up in the direction that the newer voice seemed to be coming from. And in the darkness, he could see two glowing eyes looking down at him. And before he could scream, which was his first impulse, there was a flutter of wings and the creature flew down near him. And he could see that it was an owl who said, 
Please excuse Mr. Mole. He hates to come out of his nice dark hole for anything, to be honest. At this, the child burst out crying even harder than before because as frightened as he was of the dark, having non-human animals speak to him was beyond his experience and a little frightening in itself. No need for crying, said the owl. If you just give me your address, I can guide you home. And with that, the child did indeed stop crying, partly out of relief that someone might be able to lead him home, and partly out of curiosity as to how an owl could locate his home with or without his address. But deciding he had little to lose, the child choked back his tears and replied that he would be very grateful to be guided home and gave the owl his address. And hopefully all of you and anybody else watching know where your home is and you've memorized your address just in case an owl ever comes along to guide you home. So this strange pair headed off through the dark forest and what the child hoped was truly the direction of home and when his fear had left him just a little bit, the child looked around, and though the moonlight was dim, he began to notice his surroundings a little bit. And at one point, he noticed a kind of flower that he had never seen before. He slowed his pace so he could gaze at it. That, said the owl as they continued walking, was an evening primrose. Did you know that there are some flowers that bloom only at night? There are moonflowers and night gladiolas, too. Flowers you would never see if you never went out at night. And after a while, the owl said, as if musing aloud to himself, of course there are animals, too, who love night in the darkness. Me, for example, I love the dark. In the daytime, the light hurts my eyes. So that's when I like to go into my tree and sleep. To this, the boy replied, well, I like the daytime. I can kick a ball. I like the hot sun at the beach. When the dark isn't scary, it's just boring. Boring, you say, said the, replied the owl. She clearly had some opinions to express at this point. But just then, there was a fluttering and a squeaking around their heads. And the child just a few, took him just a few seconds to figure out what it was. And he shrieked, a bat! And he was flailing his arms about, and he knocked the creature away, shrieking the whole time. The shape backed away and, hovering just out of reach, said, Excuse me, that's just my way of saying hello. Well, hello to you, Mr. Bat, said the owl. This child was out here lost in the forest, and I'm helping us find his way home. You're not hurt, are you? Well, said the bat, I probably have a bruise on my backside, but I think I'll live. But you're a bat, said the child, a creature of darkness. Weren't you trying to drink our blood? No, said the bat. But I've been eating lots of yummy insects who would have been biting you if I hadn't been around. Anyway, I couldn't help overhearing what you said about darkness being boring. If you want to come just a little bit out of your way, I can show you something really exciting. My parents told me never to go any place with strangers, said the child. Owl will vouch for me, said the bat. We've known each other for years and years. And Owl agreed. Mr. Bat was indeed an upstanding citizen. So the group went off along the path. They traveled down through the deepest forest for what seemed like just a few minutes, and they came onto a dark beach. Here we are, said the bat. The child gazed at the beach, which was lit very gently by moonlight, and he thought, this is certainly beautiful, even in the dark, but I wouldn't call it exciting. And just then, there was movement in the sand, like a little bubble of sand rising up. Then there was another bubble, and then another, and it looked almost as if the beach in the area was looking like it was boiling. Then out of one of those little bubbles of sand popped a rounded shape. Looks like we got here at just the right time, said the bat.
as they watched, more and more shadows came up out of the sand. And soon the child realized that he was seeing lots of baby turtles, hundreds of turtles climbing out of the sand. This was truly exciting. Once each turtle shape pulled itself out of the sand, it started crawling as fast as its legs could carry it toward the water. When a baby sea turtle hatches, said the owl in a sort of teacherly voice, they need to find their way to the water. And they always do this at nighttime because to find the water, they need darkness everywhere to follow the moon and the starlight reflecting off the water. Daytime sunlight is too bright and it's scattered everywhere. Oh, said the child. And as they, as they turn to leave and head back towards the child's home, Al spoke again as if thinking aloud to herself. You know who else loves the darkness besides all the nighttime plants and the animals? The moon and stars love the darkness. That's when they can really shine. Oh, they're there in the daytime as well, but they're hidden behind a wall of light. But when that wall goes down with the sun, the stars and the moon, that's when they reveal their beauty. And after what seemed like a very short time, the child and the owl left the forest. They walked down the street that the child recognized as his own. He was very happy and relieved that and they were near his house, but he was also a little sad to say goodbye to Owl. And he gave Owl a very gentle hug and a thank you, and he went into his home, and being extremely tired, he got ready for bed right away. And before he went to bed, as a matter of habit, he bent down, reached to turn on the nightlight that he always kept glowing through the night, to keep the dark at bay. But before his fingers could touch the switch of the nightlight, he smiled and he pulled his hand away. He got into his bed, he pulled up his covers, and he let the comforting arms of the darkness soothe him to sleep. Bedtime. All I know is the older I get, the more comforting it becomes. Now, as Unitarian Universalists, we take inspiration from many sources of wisdom and spiritual insight, personal experience of mystery and wonder, the words and deeds of prophetic women and men, ethical teachings of the world's religions, and humanist counsel regarding the guidance of reason and science. And there's that final source, the one I seem to find myself more drawn to with each passage of my life around the sun. I'm speaking of the spiritual teachings of earth-centered traditions which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. And tonight, that source takes center stage. Celebrating winter solstice or Yule is an ancient tradition for many cultures. In the Celtic tradition of Northern Europe, honoring the cycle of life was at the core of their religion. And closer to our home, the indigenous people of what came to be known as the Western Hemisphere similarly centered their spiritual practice on the life cycle and the elements that comprise each of the sacred directions. So tonight, let us continue our ceremony 
by embracing their traditions. Please join me now in the unison reading in your order of service. Please stand as you're able, and you'll notice that you're asked to face the direction for each of the four sections of the reading. If you're directionally challenged, I'll give you help. East is that way. And we read of the East. Spirit of the East, spirit of the air, of morning and springtime, be with us as the sun rises in times of beginning, times of new light. Inspire us with the fresh breath of courage as we go forth to new adventures. And the South, spirit of the South, spirit of fire, of noontime and summer, be with us through the heat of the day and help us to understand our desires. Warm us with strength and energy for the work that awaits us. And the West, spirit of the West, spirit of water, of evening and autumn, be with us as the sun sets and help us to reflect on our past. Flow through us with a cooling, heaving quietness and bring us peace. And finally, the North, spirit of the North, spirit of earth, holding the seed of life through the long winter. Be with us in the darkness at this time of change. Round us in the wisdom of the seasons as we celebrate the spiral journey of our lives. You may be seated. For our second hymn this evening, we return again to the hymn. I think it was two years ago that we discovered this hymn, Margaret and I, and we thought, boy, that's a great hymn. And um, hopefully you feel the same way after singing it. Last year, we, we were Zooming this service a year ago, and we had a video that we played. It was excellent. But I don't think there's anything like listening to Margaret play it and have us sing the song. So please rise. Hymn number 55, Margaret will play it through one time for us. Dark of Winter.
You may be seated. A short solstice reflection. Now, the word solstice comes from the Latin words for sun and standing still. We can see how ancients may have seen it that way. We all experience moments when it seems that time is standing still. Moments in our lives that stay with us. Moments that shape us forever, frozen in time. The sights and sounds and smells of those moments touch our innermost self and give meaning to our lives, for we carry them with us into our present. The birth of a child, the death of a loved one, a chance encounter or unexpected opportunity, moments that grab a hold of us so tightly with their significance that we understand that from that moment forward, nothing will be the same. Nothing will ever feel the same. Why is this winter solstice moment, one that cultures have marked and mapped and celebrated for so long? Throughout human history, winter is the time when people feared the possibility days might forever continue to shorten and nights forever lengthen, inevitably ending with death. For people living in the Northern Hemisphere, late December has been considered the most dangerous time of the year through the ages. And actually, until quite recently, it is in winter when fuel and food necessary for survival might run out or when unpredictable weather might bring dreadful results. The perils of winter are still true for many without the necessary means to battle cold and darkness, inactivity and loneliness. Ancient peoples believed that the disappearing daylight might never return so, they lit huge bonfires to entice the sun's return. Those bonfires of ages past gave rise to the tradition of decorating our homes and our trees with light at this time of year. Our ancestors were sad and scared of it for thousands of years. And to push back against their sadness and fears, they gathered together. They built fires and monuments. They made art and told stories. They did these things to help them through the cold, dark winter. They began to create hope for themselves and their children that the time of darkness would not last forever. The sun would return. Light would again enter their lives. And solstice is that moment when we recognize a slight turning of the sun. It is not frozen. Tonight, just as the ancients did, in our gathering together, in our seeking of the light, we find hope in the darkness. So we prepare for the light's return. And we know the light will return. And with the returning light, we may have renewed energy, a new sense of purpose. We might use that energy or purpose to start anew or to redirect ourselves. New opportunities await us.
and we can prepare for the return of the light and the opportunities it brings by letting go of anything that may hold us back. Think. Think about what it is time to do. Think about something that may make it difficult for you to move forward in your life. Ask yourself, what do I need to leave behind to begin anew? Is it a fear? Is it a sense of inertia? Are there roadblocks you've erected? Do you need to revise a dream? Whatever it is, whatever is holding you back, let it surface. Now, hopefully when you entered the sanctuary today or anybody who is streaming online, you picked up a piece of paper or you have a piece of paper handy and a pen or a pencil. If you didn't bring one in here, there will be some before you leave the sanctuary. You can find it there, pencil, paper. And I'd like you to use that piece of paper to Write down what it is you want to let go of. Write that down on the piece of paper. And at the end of our service here, or anybody who's watching at home, you can still do this, or even if you're doing it on another day, you can do this. At the end of our service, there's going to be a Yule fire out in front of the atrium, and each one of us is invited to add our piece of paper to that fire as together... We covenant our intent to let go of our barriers. I'll give you a moment to think, to write that down. Last night, I came here, must have been about 7.30, quarter to 8. I had a little bit of work I needed to do for this evening. And when I entered the back of the sanctuary, it was almost all dark in here. But up front, in front of all these drums, was the drumming group and Margaret having their, I guess I'll call it their dress rehearsal. And I was standing back in the dark. I don't know if anybody saw me or not. But it was really one of those moments. I just was spellbound. I just stood there and listened. And I just thought, wow, that was really something. And tonight, you're going to get to see the real thing. I, like I said, I was just, I was really touched. Margaret has done such a wonderful job, as she does with everything she touches. The choir is so fortunate to have Margaret leading them, and I know this drumming group feels the same way that what Margaret has done to bring them together. Now, this portion of the service begins in a nearly dark sanctuary, and the collective rhythms of the drumming group and some other instruments they'll be playing will call forth the sun. I ask that you let the darkness in here really enfold you and the ensuing drumbeat move through you. Be patient for the coming of the light and the rising of the darkness. As I said in the beginning of this service, feel, feel. And after the light reappears, We'll pass a flame to one another using our candles. We'll collectively honor the promise of the return of light.
If you haven't done so, take a moment and just look around the sanctuary and see the other lights. always hate to do it, but if we're going to sing, we need to see the hymnal. So I'm going to turn the lights back on. It's a wonderful period of darkness. We'll be singing out of the, the teal hymnal. 1063, I think, Margaret? This is the winter solstice chant, 1063. You may remain seated. If you want to keep your candle burning and you can sing with it burning, it's okay. Just try not to set the teal hymnal on fire. Before I share closing words with you, I just feel that that drumming group and Margaret deserves a round of applause, so I'm going to... Thank you. Thank you. Remember, after the closing words, the fingers crossed, hopefully you'll fire. We'll see if what I stack up there ended up burning. Uh, we'll be burning, and there's a cookie or two out there as well. Closing words from Gregory Jones. On this, the longest night of the year, we are warmed by the certain knowledge that tomorrow will welcome more light than today, as it has for eons, for billions of years. The coming of light brings life. May we be awed by the great miracles of light and life and faithfully nurture the mystery and the magic of wonder.
Go in peace. Thank you for being here.